Hey kids, it is me, I see robots, and we're back another super exciting, super fun episode of the world's famous. It is hotter than a mug in the office right now. I am dying, I am melting. I, as a matter of fact, Grandmaster Grandpa didn't even make it in today. Homeboy, homeboy fainted in his garden while picking tomatoes, so we, we don't got the files to play the intro. We're just, uh, let's, let's just head right into it right now. Guys, sometimes it is fun to do something different. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. We are going to flip it up a bit and talk about some Marvel superhero figures today. Let's hear something about that. If you insist. Let's hear something about that. If you we're uh we're gonna open a Marvel legend in a second, but but I just, just want to talk about the heat. Right now it is so hot. It is like I'm not even I'm not even kidding. It's 115 degrees outside, and it was 115 degrees yesterday, and it it's just it is so hot in in our house. We we don't have AC like like a lot of people do because for the most part we have a very very moderate climate. But for like one week of the year it gets super hot, and we are in this week right now as we speak. It's it's tough, dude. I gotta I gotta say it's like it's hot at night. For these these past few days which is which is rough bro it's rough i i wilt like a daisy sometimes in the heat and i feel like i might i might be wilt the stilting right now as as we speak but i wanted to uh i wanted to try to punch some of this stuff out our guy our guy grandmaster grandpa called in and he, he wasn't able to make it in he was out in his garden picking tomatoes and he and he fainted i mean dude is like 76 years old and i get it but it's like it's a little dangerous to be outside bro i don't know why I don't know why you were out there right now, but um, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna open we're gonna open a Marvel Legend that I have, and I actually factually have to roll across the office to get it. And I I apologize. It's over here, and I'm going to I'm gonna roll back right about now, and we're gonna we're gonna bust into this, and it's gonna it's gonna be fun, dude. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like a full on two hoots. What I have in my hand is a uh, a Marvel Legend, and I don't I don't buy a lot of Marvel Legends. I do I do get them every once in a while. But what what I have in my hand right here, and I've had this for months in my office, is a Marvel Legend of the unbelievable Gwen Pool, Gwyneth Pool herself, a self made hero from the so called real world. Gwen Pool possesses unrivaled knowledge of the comic book universe. She's She's kind of like a version of Deadpool, but if in fact Deadpool was Gwen Stacy, it's it's kind of like a takeoff on the whole Spider-Verse, but this is like this is like the Gwen-averse, I guess. I I don't know a ton about the character. The, the way that I got her was I was I was poking around around the online trying to find some Marvel Legends to get for my nephew. He's recently gotten into action figure collecting, so I wanted to pick some stuff up for him, and I saw I saw this one for $9.99. It's like new in the package and it's $9.99. And I'm like, you know, Gwenpool is a very cool looking character. So why don't I, why don't I just get this? I ended up getting one for me and then I got him one. And then I also got, I got the Spider-Punk. This whole set was super cheap. So I got those, I mailed them out to him. But I've had this, I've had this Gwenpool in here for the longest time. And we're gonna, we're finally gonna bust this open because I've just, I've been looking at it and I just, I don't know, I wanna, I wanna check it out. Let's, uh... We've got the Arthur Fonzarelli switchblade here in my hands, and we're cutting, we're cutting open the packaging. But um, let's let's find out a little bit more about Gwyneth Poole before we before we bust this open right about now. Gwendolyn Gwen Poole arrived to the Marvel universe from what she claims to be the real world. In her home reality, Gwen had been a comic superfan as an escape from her life as an unemployed 18. 
or 19-year-old high school dropout. Unwilling to be an extra in the Marvel world, she went to a tailor for superheroes and requested her own costume. The tailor complied, but misread Gwen's application form, and thought Gwen went by the alias of Gwenpool, leading to a costume similar to Deadpool's. Upon gaining the ability to manipulate the borders of the fourth wall from an attempt to return her to reality, allowing her to travel in time, Gwen retcons the Marvel Universe into believing her to be a mutant after being given the idea by Kamala Khan, allowing her to enter the gates of Krakoa. I gotta admit, even as a Marvel fan, a lot of that was a uh, jibba-jabba to me, but it was all... It's all fun, man. I think what happened was, is like, she was in the comics fandom, and then somehow she got sucked into the comic world, and she decided, she decided that she, in fact, was going to use her knowledge of the comics world to make herself a, uh, a hero or villain. I am not really sure, to be honest. I just, I thought she looked pretty cool. She has, like, a pink and white Deadpool suit, and I, I just dug it, bro. I dug it. I, let's pull her out. I don't know, how do they, how do they hold Marvel Legends into here? This is the... Let's see, grab her leg. Oh, she comes right out. She has two heads in here. A normal head, her normal smiling head, and then a different one. I think I think it kind of has her uh, her tongue out. Our, our guy, Sammy Delco, who's a good show patron, good friend of the show. I saw him taking pictures of this figure over on his Instagram. You can find that on the Instas. He's a good, good toy photographer, and he, he had this one. He was taking pictures, and he said, you know, I have that. Let's pull it out. She has two katanas, and then she has one, two, three, four different sets of hands. I never know what to do with the spare, with the spare hands when I get them. Let's see. There's, she has a backpack that looks like a penguin. Imagine a pink and white Deadpool in. She's not wearing. Uh, she's wearing kind of a leotard, not, not not the full pants like our guy Wade Wilson. It's more. It's almost like a swimsuit. Honestly, but uh, I've heard she goes by the name of the No Pants Killer because she's not wearing pants. She's wearing a leotard. But uh, she has a pink and white, like a Deadpool style outfit with a backpack that is of that of a penguin, like a like a cute, like a little, you know, like an anime girl backpack. And it's very, very interesting little uh, little design here. Oh, look like uh, there's another accessory in here. She has a phone because you know she's a teen and teens like their phones. I've seen people take pictures with this fig where you can kind of. You can kind of like selfie it up like she's taking a taking a snapshot of herself. This has, you know, the normal uh, Marvel Legends kind of awesome articulation. Knees, elbows, hips. Every every which way but loose, bro. You can pose these figures in all sorts of different ways. And I got to admit, I do like this figure. I, I wonder, though. I wonder about Gwynpool as a character, like, in the long run. I've... I've actually gone ahead and, and I recently, not recently, it was months ago, I bought, I bought Gwenpool's first appearance. The way that she appeared was on a variant cover. They did, they did this month of like the Gwen uh, Stacy averse where they did different comics and they would have the creators draw different, different Gwen Stacy uh, versions of them. Imagine, like I said, imagine like the Spider-Verse and somebody... Somebody drew the Gwenpool, and the cover became really popular, and people kind of got into it to the point where they're like, you know, we should actually make this character, and make it they did, and I think that, uh, I think it's working out pretty well, but I bought that comic. When I bought it, I, I don't know, I, I paid, I think, like, 60 bucks, which was more than I wanted to, but it's, it's like, it's since doubled in value. I don't, 
I honestly don't know, like, the future value of these characters like uh, Gwenpool, of, like, the uh, Gwen Stacy Spider-Man, the Spider-Woman, or whatever. Uh, I, Spider-Gwen. I just, like, I don't, I don't know. I remember years ago, I was at Comics for the Win talking to my homeboy Chris, and I was considering buying the first appearance of Spider-Gwen. And I said, you know, bro, do you think I should get this? It was like a $40 book. And he said, you know, in my opinion, as a comic expert, as the owner of the comic store, I... I can't recommend it because I just don't see Marvel ever going in the direction of the Spider-Verse. And then what do you know? You get a Spider-Verse cartoon a few months later and Spider-Gwen's in it and she's cool. And now everybody loves Spider-Gwen and that book is like super duper duper expensive. And I will never, never, not, never get my hands on it. But that's, that's just the way it goes, dude. When, when, when you get an idea for something, you just, you gotta buy it. You gotta buy it if you think you're ever gonna buy it. Because things like collectible comics, things like collectible toys, they just... They just don't go now. The time to buy something, if you want it, is uh, when you think about it. Because generally the price goes up. But you know what? Sometimes the price goes down. But uh, usually not on anything cool, to be honest. Let's let's see. Gwenpool has like that cool uh, Deadpool kind of hat with like the little, little ed, like, I don't know what you'd call it, like a tail on the end. She has pink eyes, a pink and white leotard. She has like a little pelt, belt full of pouches. I, I don't know. It's... It's cool. What I I did like a little bit. I, I plan on doing a history of the Marvel Universe at some point about uh about Gwenpool, but I do you know what I found? This is this is just like a little a little side note. I've been I've been kind of I've been kind of digging into the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe more. I've I've sort of like made that like a, a separate feed and I it's doing well. The the episodes are getting a fair amount of downloads, but one thing that I have noticed, if the character in question, the the main topic is, in fact, a female character, for example, your Black Widows, for example, your Kate Bishop Hawkeyes, for example, your She-Hulks. They do significantly less listens than if they're about a guy character. I do not know what it is about some of these guys out here in female characters, but bro, girls can be superheroes too, man. There's a long history of female superheroes. Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Spider-Woman, those are all bad examples. Black Cat, because I'm naming characters that are kind of... Related to, the, like, the guy characters. But there's been a long, strong history of female characters. And I gotta ask you, as a masculine man, as a macho man like myself, would you rather have Superman fly in and fly you out in his arms, baby style? Or would you rather have Wonder Woman fly in and fly you out baby style? Which one would you feel more comfortable with? I'm saying Wonder Woman. Is this me? That's just me. You might differ. You might feel different. I don't know. But it's weird. It's weird to me how guys tend to dislike female superheroes. I myself, I do not. I prefer them. I'm going to be honest. I, I like Spider-Woman. I like uh, Gwenpool. I like I like Batgirl. My favorite character in all of Cognitum is Batgirl. Barbara Gordon herself. It just is what it is. But I I don't know. I've, I, it, it's really trips me out. I've seen like this distinct downplay in episode hits if the character is a, is a gal. The Kate Bishop episode, which I thought was really good, doing Zilcho, the Thanos episode, which I thought was only okay, doing great numbers. Who knows, man? Who can tell? One thing I guess you can count on is that uh, people are going to be bigots. I don't know, but uh, this is me, I see Robots. I don't know what segment's next, because honestly, usually Grandmaster Grandpa's here on the beat, on the board, mixing things up, but right now, it's just me. Derek's running around somewhere, but he's trying to avoid the heat too, so he might have left for all I know, but uh, I, I don't know what's next, but whatever it is, it's going to be fun, and I'm absolutely certain to love it. Charge. This week in Japanese League Baseball. 
inexperienced starting pitcher Hugo Bando allowed two runs over seven innings as the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks beat the Saibu Lions 5-2 and moved a full game ahead of their opponents in the Pacific League standings on Saturday. Elsewhere in the place, Yoshinobu Yamamoto went the distance for the win as the third-place Oryx Buffaloes beat the Chiba Lot Marines 4-3, while the fourth-place Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles walked off 5-4 over the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters in 10 innings. In the Central League, Atsushi Endo pitched seven innings as the Hiroshima Carp shut out the second-place Yokohama Dina Bay Stars 4-0-0, while the CL-leading Tokyo Yakult Swallows fell 5-1 to the Chunichi Dragons and the Yomiuri Giants beat the Hanshin Tigers 7-1. That was this week in Japanese League Baseball. Up next a list of IC Robot's top 5 canned pastas. What? What? What I mean, what is, why would somebody want to talk about canned pastas? And I, I, I do have an explanation for this. It's summer right now we're in we're in the throes of summer and it got me it got me thinking about summer eating as, as as a kid my my parents worked my mom worked my dad worked and it was me and my bro at home and we were responsible for making for making our own lunches and stuff i you know we were i was in junior high or you know late elementary school at the time and he was you know a little younger than me but we were both you know we were both about it we know how to like heat things up up and stuff like that we we were left to our own devices though and my parents my mom would take us to the grocery store and we would we would pick things out that we that we might want to eat during the the week like you know canned soup or Maybe like a frozen thing or some microwave stuff or whatever. Hot dogs. Hot dogs were, were a big one. But the, the staple, I think, of all these things was like the canned pastas. Like your like your Chef Boy RDs. This this is really like the backbone of what I what I ate when I was in like the junior high, high school, even summer months, because I still don't really have skills as a chef. It's not really something I've I've like gone in and focused on. I'm just I'm just as happy making a sandwich and eating a sandwich and eating a can of pasta as I am and putting the effort into something something good if I actually possess those skills it's it's uh it's not like a top skill in my mind that I that I need but I, I used to I used to I really got off on a tangent there I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to degrade anybody who uh, is into cooking it's not that at all it's just not you know it's not an art that I, I feel like I would have any any success in so I just I eat sandwiches I eat canned pasta but uh any, anywho big shout out to everybody who can cook well and eat good food but I I um that's why I think about these canned pastas and I'm like you know this was this was such a big thing and this was such a big branding for Chef Boyardee you had like and you still do you still do if you go to Safeway, you see you see pastas in the shapes of all sorts of current things. When Star Wars comes out, there's Star Wars pastas. I have a can of pasta with a ray on it somewhere around here. Back in the day, there used to be like used to be like cartoon pastas. You had your Urkel O's. You had your things like uh, like that. I'm sure it went as far back as the the canning of pasta went. But I really like I, I started putting thought into this. We. We talk a lot about like cereal, like the cereal aisle, because this is one of the, the aisles at the store you got to choose choose yourself. Like personally, you got to choose your cereal for the week. For me, the canned pastas and the canned soups and stuff were also like another area in which I got to go and pick something at the time that I was in love with. And we're going to talk about a few of those. This this is kind of a tough list because by and large, the Chef Boyardee canned pastas all kind of taste similar. So there's not... There's not a lot of discerning those qualities, and this is this is kind of going to go into a list of uh, 
pastas that I remember well, pastas that I think about, pastas that I reminisce about when I need to think about the good old days of food and summer and microwaving hot dogs and things of that sort. Let's let's just jump right into it. The number five canned pasta in my mind of all the time and space. Number Back when I was younger, I can't, like, stress enough how much I love the Smurfs. I was like Mr. Smurf back in the day. I, I was just so into them. I think that the show itself is really, really fantastic, and I think that it has a good idea in that you have all these different characters, and all the different characters are, like, archetypes of different different types of people. So, like, you can be watching the Smurfs, and one day you can feel like your hefty Smurf. One day you can feel like your brainy Smurf, you know, whatever... Whatever mood you're in, there is a Smurf for you. And then back in 1986, Chef Boy RD made Smurf pasta. Smurf pasta was just like, it was like SpaghettiOs, but in a different shape. The uh, Papa Smurf special sauce was just your typical Chef Boy RD sauce. If I if I can remember correctly, the, the pasta came in the shape of mushrooms and also little Smurf hats, if I, if I remember correctly. Because you know how it is. Pasta technology isn't really at the shape to where they can make, like, an outline of, like, Smurfette or whatever. This is, this is gonna be, like, a rough mushroom shape. Probably, like, you know, something, something along the line of a letter T and then, like, a Smurf hat, which is kind of, kind of just, like, kind of, like, an off-center sort of circle or whatever with a flat bottom. I'm, I'm trying to imagine it now. The, the wrapper was green. I remember that very much. The wrapper was green, which made it stand out from the, the normal kind of orangey-red sort of, uh, Chef Boy RD label, and it had, it had Chef Smurf and, uh, Smurfette. Was that his name, Chef Smurf, or was it, like, Cookie Smurf? I don't, I don't even know. The Chef in the, uh, the Smurf, rather, in the Chef hat. They also came out with this with meatballs, but I don't think they came out with Franks. I think that they only had the meatballs. I don't know if I ever saw Smurfs with, with, with the little hot dog slices, but myself... I always got just the standard SpaghettiOs and stuff. I, I love the Smurfs. I don't even know if I've told this story, but like we had, we had a VCR as a kid, or like our first uh, VCR, and nobody, nobody could figure out how to how to program it. Like that was for whatever reason beyond any of our any of our tech savvy skills. So we, we never did that. We would just record things and and then watch them. But one weekend, one Saturday, we were going to the Oakland Coliseum to see the Oakland A's. We were going to meet up with my uncle and my cousin. And my other uncle and my other cousin, we were going to tailgate at the Coliseum. And then we were going to we were gonna see the um, the A's play the White Sox. I remember that because we were from Illinois and they were big White Sox fans. And they were all rooting for the White Sox. But I myself was rooting for the Bash Brothers out there, rooting for Carney Lansford. But uh, anywho, we were going to go do that on Saturday. But that means that I would have to miss the Smurfs. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot miss the Smurfs. That would be like the end of the world. Of course, I wanted to go to the baseball game more, but I also needed to see the Smurfs. So I spent like a whole entire day like sort of testing and retesting and checking and trying to figure out how I could program the VCR to tape the Smurfs. And I did. I did it. I was the first person in my house that was able to figure out how to set the clock and also how to 
program it to tape things in the future. We weren't the kind of family that read manuals. I don't even know. Something got assembled, and then I never saw a manual in my life by myself. Now, love to look at manuals, even though they they don't give you a lot in them nowadays. They want you to look on, on the online. So, and, and anywho, I figured it out because I love the Smurfs, and I had to see this episode so bad. That was my love for the Smurfs. Love for Smurf pasta. If they came out with Smurf pasta now, I would, I would get a can. You know what? They might. They they keep a lot of these things in uh, in rotation for many a long time, and I wouldn't be surprised if when the Smurfs movies came out many odd moons ago, they relaunched Smurf uh, pasta. Let's let's see let's see what's number four. I'm sure it's awesome too. Number four. Or Chef Boyardee roller coasters. Wavy macaroni with bite-sized meatballs. Mmm, this is delicious. Economical, too. Doesn't she have good taste, Mom? Beefaroni and roller coasters. When a cold sandwich just won't do for lunch. When, when a cold, cold sandwich, sandwich just, just won't, won't do, do for lunch. lunch. When a cold sandwich just won't do for lunch. When a cold sandwich just won't do for lunch. When a cold sandwich just won't do for lunch. Go for the Chef Boy RD roller coasters. I have, like... I have like the fondest memory of the roller coasters because they don't they don't make them anymore. The pasta itself, it was it was wavy. Imagine like a super miniaturized like lasagna noodle. It was, it was flexible, flexible. It had wave. It was a little a little bit thicker than the standard Chef Boyardee pasta, so it packed it packed a little bit of a flavorful punch. This this style is currently discontinued. If you go on Facebook right now, there is a bring back the roller coasters. Facebook group that has I don't know how many people like this page. Well, only 783, which is which is fine. That's good. That's 783 people who are down for the cause. But it is what it is. Let's let's hope that they do eventually bring back the roller coasters. Back in the day, the coasters came with meatballs. I don't know if they came with hot dogs. I kind of only think that the uh, spaghettios came with hot dogs. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen a lot of a lot of varietals in this. But again, again I didn't do a massive amount of research. I just I did my own research, research into my own memories, into my own heart, into my own love for various various Chef Boy RD pastas. The the roller coasters came in a blue can. And it had two little kids on the side wearing bibs who were like, they were super excited about digging into this pasta. I, I do miss this one. I honestly feel like if I saw it on the shelf, I would grab it because unlike, unlike a lot of these things that all kind of, they all kind of have a very similar, a very uniform taste. The roller coaster is because the pasta was a little bit thicker, a little more squiggled up and it kept the uh, sauce in different, different crevices. It had, it had a different, uh, just like a different overall mouthfeel like a different overall taste than the uh, standard spaghettios cuz as we're as we're going to see a lot of these are just kind of they're they're spaghettios in different shapes which is fine man I'm not I'm not complaining because a lot of breakfast cereals a lot of kids foods are just different foods in uh, different shapes like for example take applesauce it's basically just like an apple made in the sauce take a gogurt for example big daddy craig's favorite the strawberry gogurt the the gogurt itself, it's just gogurt in a tube. It's a little softer than typical gogurt. It's not Greek yogurt, which is essentially sour cream. It's a little different. So a lot of these foods that appeal to kids, like they're the same thing, just different. Kids don't have they don't have the ability to like really like eat a, a high variety of food. I'm talking I'm talking little kids, and I, I think I'm mainly talking like kids in in the good old U.S. of A. here, where we eat a lot of a lot of canned stuff, a lot of microwave stuff, a lot of a lot of these things, you know. But what what do you expect out of a kid? 
He's home. He's by himself. He's with his brother. His brother's five years younger than him. It's up to him to make the food. What's he going to do? Is he going to get some kale? Kale didn't exist in the 80s. Is he going to get any of these things that uh, people like to make nowadays? Well, you know what? Fresh food, it didn't exist in the 80s. We had canned pasta. We had roller coasters. And we were very happy to have it. I know you hear that all the time. Old folks complaining about how bad things were and saying, and we were happy to have it. But you know what? It's actually true. The roller coaster was fun. And I'm glad that they were in my life albeit for a very brief time let's uh let's jump it into space and time and see what's see what's Number three. oh pac-man i'm beat and i'm hungry thank goodness for new pac-man pasta from chef boyardee new pac-man pasta mm, little spaghetti shaped like us delicious and because chef boyardee's with goodness, it's great for when we have to eat and run. New Pac-Man pasta from Chef Boyardee. With meatballs, without meatballs, or chicken flavor. Thank goodness for new Pac-Man pasta. Thank goodness for Chef Boyardee. My next pasta on the list of canned pastas is from 1984, and it is Chef Boyardee Pac-Man pasta. Back, back in 1984, man, Pac-Man was... Pac-Man was everything. Like, not only was a video game, he was also, like, a PVC figure. He was a cartoon. The the pasta that we're talking about right now is, in fact, uh, cartoon pasta, not, like, directly video game pasta. I wonder, I wonder if the licensing for that was different. I wonder if, like, Namco and then the animation company had, had different deals and different things. Because some things I have... I'm not going to say I have, like, a lot of Pac-Man stuff, but over, over the years they've made so many different Pac things that as a collector of things, you do, you do in fact come across a lot of Pac-Man junk, and some of it is definitely video game oriented, like, like I'm looking up right now and I can see there's, like, a cereal bowl, and that's video game oriented, but then there's, like, there's, like, some other stuff that is definitely, like, animation oriented. I wonder, I wonder if they negotiated separately. I would imagine that they do, but this is... That's like neither here nor there. We're, we're here to talk about the Chef Boyardee pasta, which came out in 1984 at the uh, the, the top of Pac-Mania. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, like I said, dude, it was it, it represented so much. It wasn't just like a video game that was fun. It kind of it kind of represented like that new fun. I'm a cool video game arcade guy lifestyle. He was he was the representative of the whole arcade lifestyle, dude. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I. I think like back in the day, I did play quite a lot of pack. I wasn't I wasn't very good at it. I'm pretty decent now. We have a, have a machine out in the garage. I I do I do like me some pack. I think Miss Pac Man is more fun, but I I am pretty decent. But I I played the uh, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version of Pac Man like way more than I did the arcade version. And let's be honest, that was um that was not a really great video game as far as I recall. I remember thinking like this is similar. To the arcade game, but it is in no way the same. This pasta, like many of the other ones, is an offshoot of a SpaghettiO. It's kind of just like a different shaped SpaghettiO. You got some that are shaped like pack, you know, little circles with a triangle cut out, and then there's other ones. There's other ones that are ghosts. They might as well have just thrown like real ones, like mini, uh, mini SpaghettiOs in there and called them like power dots. And then on the back of the label, there was like a little game. There's like a little Pac-Man game you could play with like trivia and stuff. This was, this was one of my faves, dude. I, I remember buying this for quite a while. It came in, uh, it came in three different varietals. You know, you had your, your basic pasta flavor. Then you had mini meatballs. And then there was another one that like, I recall getting from time to time that was like a golden chicken is what they called it. Golden chicken flavored. And it was, it was akin to like a chicken soup. And I guess this kind of, kind of went in line with the, like the yellow, the yellow pack motif. And I, I do recall enjoying that. I am a fan of, um, canned, uh, chicken noodle soup from, only from Campbell's. 
you know, I don't know, the off brands don't have the same uh, je ne sais quoi as the as the Campbells, but uh, it, it's different. It's different. I don't I don't know how many other varieties they offered in the golden chicken flavor. This is the only one that I can recall off the top of my head. But again, I only did minimal research. Let's uh, let's jump forward, and we're gonna find out some more fun pastas on the big pasta list. <laughs> Number two on the list is the plain old plain Jane SpaghettiOs, but with the meatballs. When I when I kind of like I, I, I conceived this list, I, I put some thought into what should be where and what should be this. And I'm just like, you know, you can't go at this without having the SpaghettiOs be like very high on the thing because overall I have eaten so many cans of just plain SpaghettiOs in my life that I could be like completely made out of SpaghettiOs and meatballs. I also like the Franks. I think the Franks are good. I think they have like a like an interesting mouth feel and whatever, but I I'm I'm more into the SpaghettiOs with meatballs. I still buy these today and even in a world where there are so many novelty pastas out there. Like I like I mentioned earlier, they they still have Star Wars, you know, Paw Patrol, you name it. If it's some kind of a children's or like young adult property, there's a SpaghettiO for it. Even in a world with all these things, I still go out and I get just the plain old plain Jane spaghettios with the meatballs even back when there was like pack pasta and there was like you know uh smurf pasta and all these all these different things x-men pasta spider-man pasta i would still from time to time lead with just the plain old uh spaghettios usually usually when we go to the store i was allowed like a, a few cans of pasta because there had to be something for us to eat every day and my bro and i would like share the spaghettios even in a world with like all these things we've mentioned, there were still weeks when I'm getting, like, plain old SpaghettiOs. I might get, like, one Pac-Man and two SpaghettiOs with meatballs. Maybe throw in the Frank. But, like, overall, I have eaten so many SpaghettiOs in my life that it would be wrong to not include them very high in the list. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. It's an amazing, it's an amazing little jingle. It says it all. Let's just, uh... Ring-shaped canned pasta was introduced in 1965 by the Campbell Soup Company under the Franco-American brand, by marketing manager Donald Gork, nicknamed the Daddy-O of SpaghettiOs. Other shapes considered included cowboys, Native Americans, astronauts, stars, and sports-themed shapes. Gork created over 100 products during his 35 years with Campbell, including the chunky line of soups. SpaghettiOs were introduced nationally without test marketing and with television advertising using the tagline, the neat round spaghetti you can eat with a spoon, and the jingle, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, sung by Jimmy Rogers, loosely based on his 1950s song, oh-oh, I'm falling in love again. If you just heard something, I, I made it in post. This is, um, this is just me. There's no Grandmaster Grandpa. Usually, Grandmaster Grandpa's here, and he's on the ones and twos, and he's on the mixing board, and, like, he's... He's mixing up these things that you hear, these little little whatevers during the show, but it's just me. I'm here, so I, I'm hoping to put something together. I'm going to try to get a hold of Derek and see if I can get him to read this uh, little SpaghettiOs things. But uh, SpaghettiOs are fantastic, bro. They're great. If you don't eat them today, I recommend it. They they have little microwavable SpaghettiOs. They're available at the Dollar Tree. When I'm there, I see them, and I'll get a can. Even now, today, maybe not every week, but honestly, like every other week, I'll eat a, I'll eat a serving of SpaghettiOs with the meatballs. They don't have the Franks over at the uh, over at the Dollar Tree. You got to go to Safeway. If you go to Safeway. You'll find every varietal you've ever seen in your life. But if you're just hitting up the Dollar Tree on the way home from the flea market, bro, all they got is the SpaghettiOs 
with the meatballs. And then uh, they also have what is going to be number one on the list. Number one. Hello, young man. Would you like to try our delicious Chef Boyardee Big Beef Ravioli? Sure. There's a full serving of vegetables in every bowl of Chef Boyardee Big Beef Ravioli. The number one canned pasta of all the times and all the space is the Chef Boyardee Big Beef Ravioli. I love these so much. I'm not even kidding. When you buy these, you probably get like, I don't know, six in the entire can. There's like there's like a ton of sauce and a few raviolis thrown in. But dude, these raviolis are like good. They're They're so squishy. And they're so weird and like the meat inside is sort of like, sort of like, imagine you made pasta sauce with like a middle school uh, hamburger patty. Like you, like you chopped it up more and pulverized it and turned it into a ravioli. It's very similar to that. But man, I, I love these. I think they're so great. I think over the course of my life, I may have eaten more of these for lunch than any, anything in my life. Either that or uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's, it's very close. The, the canned ravioli was introduced in the 70s, the 50s. The canned ravioli from Chef Boyardee was introduced in the 1950s by Chef Hector Boyardee himself. There is an actual factual person who is the legend of, uh, there is an actual factual person behind the uh, legend of Chef Boyardee. His name is, uh, Hector Boyardee. I remember I saw this thing, I think it was the History Channel, The Food That Built America. I think it was, I watched an episode of this that, uh, about, I think it may have actually been about canned pasta, now that I think about it. Or maybe, like, prepackaged pasta. As I recall, the boy already started off with a restaurant, he had a restaurant, and then eventually he started selling, like, kits you could take home with you, with, like, pasta and a little bit of sauce, so you could get the Italian restaurant experience at home. This was back when, way back when, the Italian restaurant was, like, brand new and very flashy and very interesting, and people... People wanted to be able to make these things at home. So we sold these little kits, kind of like, very similar to like a macaroni and cheese kit for, from today. And people would take these home. And then eventually he moved into canning things. And then during World War II, he got a really nice government contract to uh, serve, you know, big beef raviolis, spaghettios overseas to the boys. And it just, it all took off from there. Something something of that sort. There, I saved you the, the time of watching the episode. But I... I love these. I think they're so great. There's just, there's not enough that can be said. The, well, the one downside to these is that you only get a few in each can. And also that when you cook them, when you cook them in, the, in, in like a pan, you'll always sear the bottom of some of these and some will get ripped in half. In fact, sometimes when you open up the can, they just fall in half by themselves. They're not like really held together with like clamps or anything. They, they will disintegrate on you. And then you wind up with like this bowl of like ravioli stuff, but it's good. It's so good with the, the famous Chef Boyardee sauce. I love these. If you haven't had these in a while, go out, go out and get yourself a can. It's not high eating by any means, but if you're just like, you're at work, you can slop it into a bowl throw it in the microwave and eat it. If you're at home, you can do the same thing or you can sear some in a pan and rip them in half, but they're, they're very good. You'll, uh, you'll be happy with that. Honestly, the way that I, I think about it is that the best way to cook them might just be like in the can altogether. Like take the can and put it like on a pan and then heat it up that way and then just like pour the can out. That may, might be the best chance you have to uh, not break any of them, but it's also very energy inefficient. So I don't know. Maybe put the can in your microwave. I'm kidding. Don't. Don't do that. But uh, in, anywho, this, that's my love. The big boy, big beef raviolis. Very, very good. Chef boy, Artie. Big shout out for me. I see robots. So big shout out to every other good pasta out there. You know, you got your X-Men. Oh, this is just, there's too many to name. Too many to name. Too many great... Too many great pasta shapes out there. So this is too many great pasta shapes out there. This is me, your guy, Ice Robots. We're going to move forward into uh, the, the next bit. Bye.
butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. I got a book. It's in a book. A robots and this is probably gonna be the last segment of the show man it is already getting hot it is hot in the house it's like uck dude uck 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 this unprecedented north bay heat wave dude it's normally it's normally very temperate here like even during the summer it kind of it kind of caps out in the 90s which is what you what you expect for a california summer but in general this summer's been like in the 80s and the 70s and as soon as this heat wave passes today it's gonna go back down into the 70s so i don't know i don't know bro it's just it is what it is. You can't you can't get too mad about these things. It's like you can't fight the sun. You can't fight the weather. You just gotta you gotta do your best to deal with it. And, and I've been doing that. I've been uh, trying not to melt. But we are now at reading rainbow. This is the segment where I talk about the things I've read over the past couple weeks. Right now I have one, two, three, four, five comics, and I finished a book. I. I I finished my John Ringo book, Sailing a Darkling Sea, and guess what? I ordered the next one, and it's already here, and I started it. These books are these books are so trashy and so whack, but I, like, I love them. I just love them. I don't even know. I, it took me a while to get into this, like, John Ringo military culture kind of stuff, but now that I've, I've, I've kind of got, gotten the flow... I dig the characters. It's fine. This is this is a story about a zombie apocalypse set in in the future, and it's more along the lines of like a medical emergency rather than like you know like a supernatural zombie kind of thing. The zombies the zombies are like in theory they're trying to deal with it as as realistically as as one possibly can. One thing that they that they address that I haven't seen addressed in other zombie literature is water. Like, they, they show how zombies can only thrive in places where they can easily find water and they find a lot of dehydrated dead zombies. But I I finished that book and I got the next one. But in the meantime, I... Check this out. I was, I was walking I was walking the dog the other day and uh, one of my dig cohorts, the guy that I know as the king of the dig, he actually factually moved in around the corner from me and he's very frequently putting out, like... Like, free piles of stuff, because I don't really know where he gets his stuff without the dig, but he's buying tons of stuff, and he'll put out, like, boxes and boxes and boxes every once in a while. So I was I was over there with the dog, and I found a Kindle, like an Amazon Kindle, like one of the old ones with the, with, like, that Etch-A-Sketch style of, uh, text on it, and I've wanted one of these for a long time. I'm too lazy, I'm too lazy to buy one, but I think that they're cool, so I got that. And then I, you know, emptied out the account that was in there, and I put my account in it, and I, I, what I mostly, what I mostly have in my Kindle is, like, PDFs and things that I've collected over the years, like, out-of-print wrestling books, out-of-print silly books, and I, I actually decided, you know, I think I'm going to purchase a book, because I need something for, like, the next few days. So I got, um, I got John Moxley's, uh, biography, Mox. John Moxley is a wrestler in AEW, and I, I wanted to read this. I like wrestling bios. I'm a, I'm a nerd that way. So I got that book, and I read that for a few days until my new John Ringo got here. It's cool. It's a good book. It's, uh, it's not so much, like, a straightforward biography as it's, like, him just telling stories from his, from his life and his career. You get get the idea that as a person the thing that motivates him the most is just being told that he can't do something if somebody's like you'll never be the champion of the world he'll be like oh i'll prove you wrong i will i'll work myself to death to become the champion and it's it's a lot of stories like that but it's actually like it's actually pretty fun and i'm enjoying that and as soon as i'm done with the john ringo i'm gonna get 
going to get back to that. But man, right now I'm hooked on these Ringos. I think this is uh, this is the third one in an eight book series. I can't I can't wait to get to the next one. But I also I really can't recommend them to anybody. To be honest, it's uh it's just too militaristic. It's too uh like descriptive of like guns and blast and explosions and procedures. But I I don't know. I dig it. Uh, and then I read Detective Comics. Number one thousand and sixty-two. This is a this is the launch of a new uh, writer on this, and I I honestly don't remember what happened in the main Batman story. I got to be honest, but it had a short story with Commissioner Gordon that I liked quite a bit. So if you see this, if you see this in the future in a dollar box or whatever issue one hundred sixty-two, it was okay. And then. The relaunch of Daredevil. I'm getting a little sick of this. I gotta admit, I try to keep my Daredevils in order, but you're always going back to Daredevil number one. And what we have here in our hands is another Chip Zdarsky, Daredevil number one. I swear, this is the third number one you've written, Zdarsky. I don't know how you can get away with that. That was me shaking it. But it's also Legacy number 649. In this one, you you find out what's going on after Devil's Reign. That's the one where uh, Kingpin becomes the mayor. It's It was okay. Again... I don't exactly remember what what happened in here. It's been it's been hot and I've been spending time like laying on the couch reading, trying to like not die, but at the same time it's like I don't feel like I'm absorbing anything. So I might go over that one again. And then I, I read Devil's Reign number three. I got this over at uh, the comic book store here in town. I was trying to avoid the heat and they're very well air conditioned and they're having a massive dollar sale. So I read that. It was it was good. This is the miniseries where the mayor is becoming the kingpin, or the kingpin is becoming the mayor. I did enjoy this, but I don't I don't have number two. I have one, two, I have one, three, four, five, six. So I don't know what happened in between the first one and that one. But that one that one was actually pretty good. And then this is another one that I picked up over at the uh, comic shop. It's the Punisher invades the Nam. It's Nom number uh, 53. I like The Nom, the comic The Nom. It was uh, like a 80s, 90s Marvel comic about the uh, Vietnam War. And in this one, Frank Castle appears as a... He's like a marine sniper. And in this, you learn the origin of his skull. His his main nemesis is this uh, Viet Cong sniper who wears a skull necklace. And when he, when he finally kills this guy he takes the skull necklace and he wears it and eventually that becomes the skull logo i would imagine that like over the years they've changed that story but uh you know who knows then i read fantastic four annual number 32 this was part of the uh, miller hitch run of fantastic four i love i love the fantastic four i can't even i can't even express that enough and this was one that i had never read before and i thought that it was actually very cool in this a gal shows up at the uh, the Fantastic Four headquarters saying that she has been impregnated by Johnny Storm. And then it turns out that it was actually like a supervillain had uh, used some of Johnny Storm's DNA to impregnate her in the attempt to gather another superhero that he could then kidnap and train or sell. This was this was actually pretty good. I'm not going to give away the ending of all that. Uh, everything I explained happens within like the first couple pages. But if you see this... Fantastic Four Annual number 32, it came out in 2010, so it's it's a full 12 years ago. That's so weird. It was 12 years ago that I was reading these uh, Mark Miller Fantastic Fours. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's bananas. Man, time time goes by. I was at the gym. I was at the gym lifting weights, and a, a Red Man song came on, Time for Some Action by Red Man. And he said, this is, uh, this is 1992, and I'm just like, 
what? This song is 30 years old? This song is 30 years old. Then I started thinking how they used it in The Simpsons as Tatum's theme song, the, the boxer that was kind of based on Mike Tyson, Dredderick Tatum. And uh, man, I'm like, that was in fact 30 years ago. And you are in fact a thousand years old. But, you know, it is what it is. Let me, uh, let me tell you one piece of really sad news before we, we get out of here. They are going to be closing my gym location. Not the not the entire chain. I go to Stan Bennett's, but they're closing the one down the street from my house. And I have been going there for years, and I really, really enjoy it there. It's not it's not by any means the best gym in the world. It's kind of a dump. It's kind of run down. There's no AC. The treadmill that I use makes a horrible clunking sound. The, the machines are very apt to, like, cut your fingers because they're all jagged and weird. But it's so close to my house that I go all the time. Like, I can walk there in five minutes. The other Bennett location is enormous. It's the state-of-the-art weightlifting gym. It is big. It is gorgeous. We've gone there a couple times just to kind of mix it up a bit, and it's uh, it's amazing, man. Everything I would ever want in a gym, but it's across town. It's across town, and I gotta drive, like, 15 minutes to get there, 15 minutes back, so that's like an hour and a half I'm losing every week. The thing is, with the gym so close, I could go over there, and if I worked out for like 30 minutes or even like 25 minutes, it beats nothing, and I'm not wasting a lot of time because it's so close. But if you drive 30 minutes to work out 30 minutes, it's not worth it. I don't I don't know what to do about this. There's an anytime fitness near me. It's very close. It would be maybe five minutes away, and we're considering flipping the script and joining this gym instead of the Bennett's gym. It's no means a weightlifting gym. Bennett's kind of... They kind of specialize in, like, weightlifting and powerlifting. This is more of just, like, you know, a, uh, like a civilian gym, but it's fine. It's not, it's not really, like, that I'm so into, uh, like, heavy-duty weightlifting. I mean, I do like heavy-duty weightlifting. I like lifting actual weights and stuff, and I have a good time doing that. But I, I sort of feel like any gym, even, like, a hotel gym would really, like, suit me as long as I, it's close. The, the important thing to me is that I go a lot, and I feel like since it's across town, I might just, uh... I might find reasons not to go, so I'm asking your guys' advice. Should I go to the much better gym that's further away, or should I go to the gym that's actually probably better than the gym I go to now and is close by, but it's not its not like a tough guy powerlifting gym. It's like a kind of gym that, um, you know, moms go to, seniors go to. I mean, it's totally fine. I've looked at pictures of it, and it's totally fine. And it does have one feature that I think is really great. They... They offer members 24-hour access. Like, you get, like, a key or a key fob that you can use to open the door. And you could go in any time, day or night, which is which is nice. Because there are times when we're like, oh, my gosh, we've got to fit the workout in. But, um, you know, it's the wrong time of day, blah, 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 blah. So this is this is definitely convenient, but it is kind of it is kind of a wussy gym. And I like feeling like a tough guy at my gym. I do, honestly. It kind of kind of helps feed my ego that I'm over there cutting my hands open and doing all these horrible exercises on these horrible broken machines. What do you think? Do I drive across town or do I go to the wussy gym that's close? You guys, you guys can chime in on that. I kind of think to me the thing that matters the most in the gym is honestly proximity. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning that way. I'm going to, I'm going to go check it out and see, see what I think. The, the reason that they closed my gym is just, they said that just not enough people go there to qualify for having, like, a branch. And I got to say that I agree, because sometimes we go there, and we're, like, we're, like, the only people there. The other the other week, we went in, and the girl who works there said, oh, my gosh, there hasn't been anyone here in four hours. I've just been watching TV. And I said, really? So I felt like we interrupted her a little bit, but, you know, I got my workout in, but, like, 
for four hours straight, nobody came in. It's crazy because it's, you know, it's a nice gym. It's in a neighborhood. It's fine. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I can definitely understand why they closed because it's just there's just sometimes never anybody there and it's fine. But I I was kind of I, I was kind of imagined that like, well, they probably look at the overall health of the chain and that the chain is doing fine so they can afford to have like a lesser used branch. But it's. It's turned out that's not the case, and they decided to close the lesser-used branch, which is my branch, so I, I know not. I know not what to do, but um, I, I'd like to get your guys' advice. Um, so, anywho, this is me. I see robots. I think we're, we're going to get up out of here. Please consider joining the show Patreon. It's at supportthereport.com. I feel like I deserve some new Patreons for making this episode for you guys when it's 115 degrees outside right now, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating that total in any way. So I feel like I deserve some new Patreons. But if you if you uh, don't think I do and you want to get something out of it, there's a ton of good shows over there. The Derek Show, there's a bunch of a show called At The Movies I did where I talked about movies I've gone to. There's, there is so much. There's all three of the Champion Sound, my super workout mix, which is... Which is worth it in and of itself. If you like to get a little workout on, these are gonna, these are really gonna help you out. So all the money goes to uh, helping support the network upkeep. I wanna, I wanna get uh, some new sound equipment, so I need some, I need some support from you guys at supportthereport.com. Make sure to check out the uh, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Our guy always puts out a fun show, always very thoughtful, always very interesting. Also check out Geekfest Rants. That's a good one, too, from Carlos. Expecting a new episode coming up soon. Then we got the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe. That's my other show. There's a separate feed for that. So just go into your Google. Google the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe or go to icrobots.com and you can find out the RSS feed for that. Add it to your podcatchers. All future episodes will be going there. I just dropped one about Cyclops. By the time you hear this, there's going to be one about Daredevil out. I got one about Jubilee coming up. We just did one about Dazzler. This is a great show, and if you are not listening to those episodes, my friend, you are missing out. So until we meet again, I am saying to you, if you don't like the news, go out there and make some of your own. All right, um, bring an organ. And you know I got to have that. Some people listen because they want a mystery Some people listen, then say we're whack But if they miss the show, they get the heart attack Now look at you, you sit there, bite your lip The whole world sees you as a hypocrite Live out the first law and make yourself preservation If the show doesn't help you, change the station If you don't want peace in the world Love, peace, and happiness in an endless world If all you want to do is keep the whole world back You're the one that's whack Y'all slick blow. That's right. I see Robots Radio is a listener-supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. I don't think so. <coughs> Incredible strength. Oh, I'm so hungry I could eat a house. Oh, wow.
wow. I'll make something super delicious. The Earth of the Week is scorched.